So Proverbs 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come understanding and uh, knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield for those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Wisdom will also save you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her path her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. The second reading this morning is from James chapter 3. Verses 13 through to the end of that chapter, verse 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quotes, Comes from, come, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Amen. Hello everyone, my name's Sam, if I haven't met you before. Um, I've been a part of Inner West for about a year now. During the week, I usually am at Melbourne Uni working. Um, And it's a real privilege to be able to open the Bible today with you. So if you have a Bible on your phone or physical, keep it open. You're going to need to keep looking down at Proverbs chapter 2. And before we dig in, I might just pray again. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it shows us who you are and it helps us to figure out how to live well. Please give us minds now to understand your word. Give us hearts willing to follow you and deepen our love for one another and for you as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if any of you have ever suffered from decision paralysis. I think that's probably a pretty common ailment among us, 
common ailment of our generation, perhaps. You know all those moments when you have to make a hard decision. What should I study? What vocation is suited to me? How can I build better friendships? Should I go on a date with him? Should I marry her? How do I raise my children? Is it a good idea to buy a house? I'm sure everyone here is familiar with some of those tricky decisions. Perhaps even some of you are wrestling through some of these things right now. We take these questions really seriously because we want to live good lives, don't we? These things are important to us. And when we're faced with hard decisions, we're often scared of going wrong. We can be paralyzed by that pressure of deciding between two different paths and all that could mean for our future. If I choose the wrong one, I might miss out on my potential. I could lose so much. In our fear, sometimes don't we just want someone or something to put us out of our decision-making misery and tell us exactly what to do? As Christians, sometimes don't we just want God to strike us with divine inspiration and give us a clear yes or no, this way or that way? Living well is hard. Making decisions is hard. But the book of Proverbs is here to help us. We're doing a three-week series. This is week number two. Last week, we heard that wisdom in Proverbs is not intellect, it's not knowledge, but it's practical life skills. Proverbs is here as a guide for us to live well in God's world. And we discovered that the foundation to living well is fearing God, respecting him as the creator, coming to him from a position of humility. Well, if we're paralyzed by the pressure of making decisions, and we have this book, Proverbs, as a guide to living well in God's world, the question is, how do we use it? How do we get the wisdom off these pages and into our own lives? How does wisdom help us to live well? That's the question that chapter two is answering for us. I've got a little outline of where we're going. And then we'll dig in. Three points. Firstly, we have an invitation. Number two, to wisdom from the Lord. Number three, which works through our character to help us live well. That's where we're going. So number one, we have an invitation. Look at verses one to four of Proverbs chapter two. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, dot, dot, dot. We have an invitation to become treasure hunters. That's how wisdom is described in this passage. This wisdom, this understanding, it's like silver. It's like hidden treasure. It's something deeply valuable. And because it's valuable, we have to seek after it intently. 
Did you notice that? We have to call out, to cry aloud. We have to seek, to search, to turn our ears, to apply our hearts. Treasure hunting is serious business. I think we're still close enough to Christmas that I can use a Christmas illustration here. When I was growing up, there would always be a few presents around the Christmas tree. But what my two brothers and I were most excited about was three little envelopes that would be at the bottom of the pile. And that was because every year, our special Christmas present from mum and dad could only be found after a treasure hunt. The envelope would have a clue in it, which would lead to another clue and another clue around the house and the garden until we finally found our presents. And because we knew that this present was going to be the most special present, it was going to be the best one, we were so excited about the treasure hunt. We would run as quickly as we could from one clue to the next as soon as we figured it out. We took our treasure hunting seriously because at the end was something special, something really valuable. And the first four verses of this chapter are inviting us to become serious about hunting for the treasure of wisdom because it is valuable. Will you call out? Will you cry aloud? Will you seek and search? Will you turn your ear and apply your heart? Because that's what it takes if you want to find the treasure. We have an invitation. Number two, to wisdom from the Lord. Let's read verses five to eight. So if you seek like a treasure hunter, verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. There were a lot of ifs in verses 1 to 4. If you search, if you seek, if you call out, if you cry aloud. And here in verse 5 is the, the then. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Only when we have the attitude of a treasure hunter, then will we find what we're looking for, understanding and knowledge, wisdom to help us to live well. Now, this is really important because this chapter says that an attitude of intent, passionate seeking leads to the discovery of the treasure of wisdom, not being intelligent not being from the right social class, not being from a Christian family. No. Treasure can only be found when we do the difficult, the humbling work of seeking, of listening carefully with our ears and applying our hearts. Why is that? Well, according to verse 5, it's because wisdom comes from God. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This is just logical. To use a silly illustration, if I own all of the mangoes in the world, then you will have to come to me if you want a mango. 
and I can give it to you. God has wisdom. He's the creator and the author of the universe. He's the one who knows how the world works and how to live well in it. And so we have to come to him and he can give wisdom to us. If we seek wisdom like treasure hunters, then God gives wisdom. I think that all of verses one to four, all of those ifs, all the verses about hunting the treasure of wisdom, what they're really about is fearing God. We heard last week that the key to the book of Proverbs is fearing God. And these verses show us what that looks like in our lives. It means humbling ourselves before God, acknowledging that he's the one who can teach us how to live well. Crying out and searching are not the attitude of someone who already has all the answers. It's the attitude of fearing God, of saying, Lord, on my own, I don't know how to live well. And I keep making foolish decisions. I need to come to you for help. Please teach me how to live well in your world because you made it and you know how it works. And as we do that, as we come to God and he gives us wisdom, God does something else alongside that. Look at verse 8. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Living well is hard and decisions can be scary, but as we come to God in humility and receive wisdom from him, he protects us and he guards us. We have an invitation to wisdom from the Lord. Number three, which works through our character to help us to live well. As I've spent time looking at this passage over the last few weeks, the next three verses have really changed the way that I think about the book of Proverbs and about wisdom. Why are these three verses so important? Well, if you're anything like me, then in the past, you've thought about wisdom like being in God's air traffic control room. If you go over to Melbourne Airport and you look through the fence at the runway, you can watch planes landing and planes taking off. You might see a few Qantas planes, some from Emirates. You might see smaller domestic flights and bigger international ones. But if you were invited into the air traffic control room, you'd have a completely different picture. You'd have a comprehensive schedule of every flight. You'd see the little dots of the planes moving as they come in and as they go out. All the movements of different planes, which you could see from behind the fence, would suddenly make sense in the bigger picture. A lot of us think that's what happens when God gives us wisdom. We think receiving wisdom is God taking us into his air traffic control room to show us his purpose, to give us insight into all of the different twists and turns of our lives. Being in God's control room, we can see the purpose behind everything that's happened to us and how God is working those things together for our good. 
Now, at the beginning, I said that if we have this book, Proverbs, as a practical guide to living well in God's world, the question is, how do we use it? How does this wisdom help us to live? Does wisdom take us into the control room to get providential guidance from God? Is that how this works? I think the next three verses give us quite a different way of thinking about how wisdom helps us to live. Let's read verses 9 to 11. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. If we stopped reading at verse 8, we would think, if I search for wisdom intently, then I'll fear God and find the wisdom that comes from him. But that's not all that this chapter has to say, because there's another then. If this, then that, then something else. Verse 9, then we understand what is right and just and fair. Wisdom comes into our hearts. The process that Proverbs envisions is not like an air traffic control room where we come to God for divine guidance for our lives. No, the process that Proverbs envisions is that as I seek wisdom earnestly, humbling myself before God, my character and my heart are transformed. Wisdom comes into my heart. I think that becomes most clear when we look at verse 11. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. We saw in verse 8 that God said he would protect us and he would guard us. It's exactly the same phrase that's being used here. But here it says that discretion will protect us and understanding will guard us. What's going on? Does God protect us or does understanding protect us? Which one? Actually, both. That's exactly the point. The way that God protects and guards his people is by transforming their character and their heart to enable them to live well in his world. A character transformed by wisdom is the means God uses to protect and guard his people. This is really important. I might just say it again. A character transformed by wisdom is the precise means God uses to protect and guard his people. What that means is that becoming wise and living well is not about asking God to take us into the air traffic control room to give us the answers we need to our life decisions. No, becoming wise and living well is a much deeper work where our character is transformed to understand what's right and just and fair, the way that God wants us to live in his world. For us to live well, 
We don't need to know more about God's plans for our specific future. No, something else needs to happen. Something needs to change inside us. Wisdom comes into our heart where it wasn't before. Knowledge becomes pleasant to our soul where we used to despise and reject it. I'm not going to go into it in detail, but if we read on in chapter, chapter 2, we'll see two examples of how a changed heart, a formed character, protect a young man from folly and evil. It protects him from falling in with men who delight in wrongdoing. It protects him from forsaking his wife to visit the adulteress. God protects us by transforming our heart and molding our character so that we make good decisions to live well in his world. And this has some big implications for us, I think. It means that God cares deeply about the character of his followers. It means that if you want to live well, you need to expect deep heart transformation. And it means that being wise is not about gaining knowledge of God's specific plan for your life so much as it is about changing your heart to be more humble, more godly, more resolute in doing his will in a confusing and sometimes painful world. To use another illustration, wisdom working through our character is a bit like learning to drive a car. When you first get into a car, nothing is intuitive. I don't think anyone has ever sat in a car for the very first time and been able to drive perfectly. If you have, then please tell me, but I don't think that's ever happened. You have to learn the feeling of the accelerator and the brake, the revs that you need to put on as you lift your foot on the clutch so that you don't stall. You have to learn the feeling of the car, what space you can fit through, how hard you need to turn the wheel to go a certain angle. And most of all, you have to learn an awareness of the road to be able to react quickly and appropriately. Wisdom works a little bit like that. It's not intuitive. We have to learn or be formed into it. On our own, our hearts are not wise and knowledge is not pleasant to us. But as our hearts are changed by God, we learn to see the road better. We can more quickly judge and discern to make good decisions as new scenarios present themselves to react wisely as different situations arise. Chapter 2 tells us that if we seek after wisdom like treasure hunters, then God gives wisdom, which transforms our hearts to enable us to live well in his world. As we come towards the end... This deep work of wisdom to transform our hearts and our character might feel a bit overwhelming to some of us. I certainly felt really challenged working through this passage. I've been a Christian for some years, but in, in what ways has my character and my heart really been molded and shaped 
so that I'm choosing what is good for living well in God's world. I think the progress feels slow. My heart feels unmoved and hardened to change. And all too often I see myself going back to the foolish decisions I've made in the past over and over again. What hope is there for me? Verse 22, the last verse of this chapter, says that the wicked will be cut off from the land, those who make foolish decisions. The treacherous will be rooted out of it. What hope is there for me? I want to quickly finish with two points here. Firstly, when we look at this passage through the lens of Jesus... We can be grateful that he has become God's wisdom for us. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says, It's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who has come f- become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Because of Jesus, we can admit that we fail at living well in God's world without fear that we will be cut off. Jesus lived the perfect, wise life. He lived in reverent fear and humility before his Father all the way to the cross and submitted himself to death so that he could become our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. While God calls us to be wise and he calls us to live well, he knows that we fail and he's made a plan to get us home nonetheless through his son Jesus. So praise God for his grace. But secondly, the call to seek after wisdom still applies to us after Jesus. Jesus has saved us, but God still wants to give you the precious gift of wisdom as you seek for and cry out for it. Ephesians 5, live not as unwise, but as wise. Colossians 4, be wise in the way that you act. And the passage we heard earlier from James 3, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The implication here, and this is important, is that it's possible to be saved and to still be a fool who never learns wisdom. James tells us here that the fruit of wisdom is a changed heart, a godly character. Peace, humility, mercy. Just as we heard in Proverbs, these are things that we need to learn as we follow Jesus. They don't come intuitively. Our hearts need forming to live well. We can thank God that he's given us his spirit to enable this work and empower it in our lives. So as we finish, come back to those first few verses of chapter 2. Will you seek after 
that valuable treasure. God is willing and ready to give you this great gift, to change our hearts through it so that we can live well in his world. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this gift of wisdom is on offer to us and that you change our hearts through it to enable us to live well in your world. I pray that you'd help us to seek after this gift, to cry out to you for it. And I thank you that your answer to that prayer will be yes, that you've promised to give us your wisdom. And we thank you for the grace of Jesus, who is wisdom for us, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Amen.